1975, the term Hail Mary was wildly popularized after a playoff game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. When Cowboys quarterback Roger Staubach said about his game-winning touchdown pass to wide receiver Drew Pearson, I closed my eyes and I said a Hail Mary. But a Hail Mary is not just a desperate, deep pass with time running out on the clock. Roger Staubach, being a good Roman Catholic, would know that it is also a foundational prayer in the church. As a recovering Catholic, I can tell you that I've said the Hail Mary an incalculable amount of times, usually as part of the penance that I was given after confession as a child. The priest would say, okay, go and pray ten Our Fathers and ten Hail Marys and you'll be good with God again. And while that may sound glib, know that in the years since I've become Episcopalian, I have found myself reciting the Hail Mary in times of intense stress. Such is its imprint in the deep tissue of my soul. We have Elizabeth to thank for this song of praise and blessing that has come down to us as the Hail Mary. Today's passage is the story of Mary's visit to Elizabeth. Here at the very beginning of Luke's gospel, we have two women whose miraculous change in status brings them into the story of how God is redeeming his world. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Between them, they carry both messenger and a message. Elizabeth, well past the age of childbearing, understands this pregnancy as a gift from God that lifts her from the shame and loneliness that she's experienced through years of barrenness. And yet, she's still an oddity in her town, a pregnant old woman, and remains in seclusion for these months of her pregnancy, a situation made even more solitary by the silencing of her husband, Zechariah. Meanwhile, back in Nazareth, Mary has just learned from Gabriel the archangel that she will give birth to the Son of God. Though Mary has assented to God's plan, doing so puts her in a precarious position. She is unmarried. At best, being pregnant will bring shame to her fiancé and her family. At worst, according to the law, she could be killed. This is a lot for a young girl to process. But as part of the angel's pronouncement, he mentions that her older relative Elizabeth, now a long barren, is now six months pregnant. In this space where only Mary knows what is to come, where her life has not yet been upended, she looks for reassurance. And so she heads out to the small Judean town where Elizabeth lives to see for herself the miracle the angel has announced. As she arrives, Mary's first words of greeting prompt an immediate silent response from Elizabeth's unborn child. John leaps in the womb, acknowledging both Mary's presence and the significance of the child she carries. Already, John is pointing to the one who is to come. But more than this, Elizabeth herself is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she speaks a word for God. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Though Elizabeth carries a pretty important prophet in her womb, she is the one who prophesies. She proclaims what she has not yet been told, that Mary is pregnant, and she knows who the child will be, for she calls Mary the mother of my Lord. But Elizabeth does more than prophesy. She blesses. Elizabeth begins a chain of blessing that will continue throughout Luke's birth narrative, giving voice to the joy of the incarnation. Mary, Zechariah, and Simeon will all add their blessing, praising God for what he is doing for his people in this moment in history, and recognizing that those who are being used by God as instruments of his saving work are richly blessed. Elizabeth first blesses Mary for her role as mother of the Lord. Mary is blessed because despite all expectations, her social status has been reversed. She will be honored instead of shamed for bearing this child. Elizabeth herself embodies this blessing, opening her arms and her home to an unmarried pregnant woman, a relative her neighbors would expect her to reject because of the circumstances. Instead of shaming Mary, Elizabeth welcomes her, celebrating her and treating her as more honorable than herself. Elizabeth, as one who has so recently and so deeply experienced God's activity in her own life, sees beyond the stigma of Mary's situation to the reality of God's work, even among those who the world would judge and reject and exclude. But Elizabeth also blesses Mary for her trust in God's promise. In doing so, she draws a contrast with her husband, Zechariah, who sits in the corner mute because of his skeptical questioning of the angel. Zechariah, the religious professional, doubted God. But Mary, the peasant girl, believed. And her trust in God's word opens the door for God to bless her and to bless the whole world through her. Elizabeth, in her blessing, celebrates Mary's willingness to say yes to God. Elizabeth's prophetic witness strengthens and encourages Mary, who recognizes her vocation in these words. In response to Elizabeth's blessing, Mary sings. She's empowered to share the bold message of the Magnificat, which we just heard. In her song, Mary reminds us that this story is about so much more than two women and the babies they carry. It is about the story that God has been working through history, through the people of Israel to draw us to himself, that we belong to God. He has claimed us as his own, and he will never abandon us. That God is working to put things right according to his purposes, and that in doing so, God will use those we would least expect to be instruments of his salvation, and he will show up where we least expect to find him, in a manger and on a cross, in vulnerability and suffering.
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. We need more Elizabeths. Folks who name and affirm the blessing that you are and that I am. Whose blessing of us stirs in us the desire and strength to live into our vocation and participate in God's good redemptive work whose faith in us strengthens our trust in God, such that we are willing to say yes and to be used by God for His purposes. We need Elizabeths who remind us that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves. And then we need to return the favor, being Elizabeth to others and pronouncing blessing on them. As we leave Advent and turn toward the birth of the Christ child, let us hold on to the example of Elizabeth and Mary, pondering it in our hearts. Let us celebrate that in Jesus Christ, God has come definitively among us to make all things new. And let us proclaim blessing upon one another such that we might go out to be a blessing to the world.